Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. Today's honored guest on our podcast is an Associate Professor of Management And he is also the chair of the Melvin D. and Valerie G. Booth School of Business. Please welcome Dr. Ben Blackford. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start. Let's rewind your life all the way back to yesteryear and start right at the beginning. What was your very first paid, not by your parents, job? My very first job actually was at Walmart. So I'm a, I was a cashier at Walmart and it came about from an interesting way that actually it's going to be a callback probably later on in this podcast of uh, how I ended up where I am. So in one of my high school business classes, we had an assignment where we had to go apply for a job and we had to show the the teacher the, the completed application and let them know when we had dropped it off. So I actually did it as a assignment for a class when I was 15. And um, in the meantime, I turned 16 and got the job. So ended up being there officially for 27 years off and on. So it it worked out pretty well. (laughs) That's crazy. So where are you from originally? So I'm originally from Burlington Junction. So I'm about 15 to 20 minutes northwest of Maryville. So it was at this Walmart that you put your application in. Yep. So I, I drove back and forth for two years of high school to, to work at Walmart in the evenings and weekends while I was in high school and then worked out really well because then, yeah, came to Northwest. And so I kept the same job and it actually trimmed down the commute. So <laughs> nice side benefit. I'm assuming you didn't always stay as checker though. Nope. So, yeah. So I was a cashier for about uh, six to nine months and interesting background. I actually was I think really good at it. I was really good at interacting with the customers and being very accurate, but I actually wasn't very fast at it. And so eventually they said, well, you, you know, you're not super quick at this, but you're good at dealing with people. Do you want to start working returns at the the courtesy desk and uh, in layaway where scanning items isn't quite as, <laughs> as important from a speed standpoint? And I said, sure, why not? So did that for another about year. And then became a customer service manager. So I was, uh, for one shift at a time, I was in charge of all the cashiers and helping arrange that. And then eventually became a support manager and then the personnel manager, then went back to support manager and then went to electronics. (laughs) So it was kind of a, a winding path. This kind of a theme this season. Ben also, in a roundabout way, was one of uh, kind of my boss when I worked at Walmart in college. <laughs> he was one of the support managers when I worked in electronics as an associate. So there were several managers we reported to, but Ben was always my favorite one. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that that era of Walmart does have a campus presence. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. I would also like to say for the youth of America who might be listening or any other country, this was before you could self check out. So let's be clear, like checking and speed was very important because, you know, people be backing up in line behind you there. Well, and you started at the pre-Super Center Walmart too. So it was very old school, like watch Christmas Vacation Kids, like the bags of Old Roy. That's what our Walmart used to be like. So there were four checkouts. So speed was really important because you had like four places to check out too. So And yeah, and, and a little bit of, of Maryville history. It's, it's now uh, True Value Hardware. And we've got Heinlein Home Furnishings as that building for anyone who yeah, was not around for the pre-Supercenter. I worked there for one week before we switched over. So 
It was, it was crazy. It's like going back in time. It was even, you know, in 99 when we switched over, it was for 2000 or whatever it was, it was, it was an old school Walmart and then very new school Walmart when the new one opened. So, yeah. So what made you, your work, you had a, a career going for you at Walmart. What made you go to college? Why did you want to go to college? And uh, why did you choose Northwest? So here's the, you know, the, the cool callback from when I planted the flag earlier. Um, after that happened and I got my job, I was very happy with my job and that was kind of cool. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to be able to make that kind of impact for, for other people. And so I decided I'm, I'm going to go to, to school and become a business education major. So I wanted to have the chance to teach high school business and offer people those same opportunities. And of course, um, had lots of family members that had gone to Northwest and education. So it seemed like a, a really good fit. And the aforementioned shorter commute to work at the same time. So I it could, was right between you and Walmart. Yep. <laughs> so I could go to to work and and or go to school and keep the same job. And so everything just kind of came together. And that was always kind of my assumption when I was in high school that that was where I was going to go to school. And after a, a few semesters, I had enough hours to go substitute teach and found out that while I have incredible, immense respect for all education majors, it was not a good fit for my skill set and decided I needed to, to pivot. And so um, the business part was still going really well. And that gave me the chance. So I changed over to a business management major and completed that. So that was how I, I ended up continuing in school, um, expecting that I would, you know, stay with Walmart afterwards and get all that kind of wrapped up together. And so, yeah, finished the, the undergraduate degree, had a wonderful conversation where someone told me what a graduate assistantship included and said, oh yeah, free tuition for another year and a half. Yep. I'll go. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I ended up with my, my MBA was, um, I, I really didn't need to relocate for my job yet. And, the educational opportunity was there. And so just kind of all came together. Yep. I became a, a graduate assistant for the accounting econ and finance department. And now that's where I ended back up. Can you tell maybe those of us who had no classes, I actually business is one area where I've had zero, I've taken zero classes in business. Tell us what business management entails as far as studying or as far as like what maybe you could do with that degree. One of the great things about every degree in the school of business, whether it's business management or marketing or accounting or finance or econ or HR or international business or any of the others I may have accidentally forgotten, is that they give you a great opportunity to be involved with something else you're really interested in too. And so you really love numbers. You wanted to be an accountant, but you also really like cars. Get an accounting degree and go be an accountant for Ford. Or you love marketing and you really love music. Get a marketing degree and go do promotions for a band. And that's the the good combination there. So yeah, management we get into, you know, just supervising um, the overall process. So kind of being the one that just keeps everything on track, um, kind of brings everything together. And, you know, you, you need somebody in most areas that 
you know, everyone is is sharing information with that same person so that if something needs to change based on what another part of the organization is doing, someone knows <laughs> what all is going on. And so it goes, you know, oftentimes it goes beyond, you know, the initial thought is, well, it's it's supervising people. And of course, it, it definitely involves a lot of interaction with people, but it's, it's not always even just supervising. Um, there's just a lot else that goes into it. And yeah, all the majors turn into a great opportunity to to do two things you love in your your degree of study and to apply it somewhere else because yeah everybody needs business majors every manufacturer every service organization needs all of those business activities to be completed all businesses are businesses right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mentioned you know you got into to student teaching and found that high school wasn't going to be a good fit for you how did you then make the transition into teaching college, which is, you know, just a couple of years older than high school? That actually, while well, I was still at Walmart and I, I had become the support manager and then had done HR for a while and got the opportunity to teach accounting too, actually, as an adjunct um, at Northwest. And so I taught accounting to at night, every Wednesday night um, for about, yeah, two years. And as I was doing like, now this, <laughs> I think is a good fit. Um, so the opportunity to do that. And so, yeah, I, I got super lucky that had the chance to do that. Um, we talk a lot in business about realistic job previews, and that was a great realistic job preview to see what it was like. And it's also, you know, a couple of good opportunities to to share some suggestions with people. Number one, take any chance you get to kind of try out a job because you never know what you might like and whether you find out you really liked it, like I did with, with teaching accounting, or you find out it's not a good fit for you, um, like I did with, with high school. Um, either way, it's, it's very valuable for your, your career path. And uh, never be afraid to uh, continue doing something that maybe hasn't worked out, learn from it, um, advance from it. So, you know, a little insight on mine, my very first night I went and taught that accounting class, there were 27 students in that class. Honestly, it didn't go great. <laughs> it was my first time ever teaching that class. I really, I think, had I been able to go out in the audience and watch, go out in the class, I would have thought, this is an undergraduate student giving a presentation on accounting. This is not somebody teaching. So I had 27 people the first night. I come back the next class period, there are 18 people. So about a third of the class has dropped based on how that first night was. And so I kind of went back and said, okay, that obviously something's going on. And so I went back and, and started working on, on some of those things and what adjustments I could make. And fortunately ended up with about a, on a scale of one to four, ended up with about a 1.1 teacher evaluation back when ones were the, were the high. So yeah, that's one thing to keep in mind. There's, you know, those are also the opportunities to get to engage your skills and advance those and, and learn from those, even though maybe it didn't start out the greatest. <laughs> and so, yeah, after doing that for a couple of years, decided yeah, I think this is what I want to do. And all the advice I got was, then you probably want a PhD. And from there, I started applying to PhD programs, ended up picking uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln from the ones that uh, I was accepted to. Went and got my, my PhD in strategy, which is another example of how you never know how things are going to come to play because went there for a visit and they said, what business area you're interested in? And I said, all of them. And they said, so what area do you want to be in? for your major. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I like them all. I'm like, well, then you should be a strategy person because that's the one that gets to do a little bit in all of them. And that's literally how I picked my PhD major was standing in the hallway, just talking to a random faculty member. 
And that probably worked pretty well now that you're the director of the entire school of business, you know a little bit about all of it. So Yeah, it seemed to work out pretty well. Uh, yep. And then by the time I finished my PhD, there happened to be an opening at Northwest and was, of course, already familiar. So I actually left Nebraska um, a year before my dissertation was done. So anybody listening who's thinking about getting a PhD, don't do that. Don't leave before your dissertation is done. Not don't get a PhD. Uh, if you want a PhD, by all means, but yeah, stay in school until the dissertation is done. You don't want to be trying to write a 200-page paper while also teaching classes and moving and... <laughs> Note to self, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. It worked out okay, obviously, but um, it was it was much um, wilder than it really needed to be. <laughs> Talk to me about the difference between getting an MBA and maybe what that's good for, and then getting a PhD. Because I think sometimes, you know, once you get past your undergraduate degree, it becomes a little bit more opaque for people who aren't familiar with higher education. The MBA is really good uh, for advancing your career in practice um, in the business area. So a lot of organizations, you know, will require an MBA to advance within the organization um, to maybe take on more responsibilities to maybe supervise a larger group. It's kind of the the entry uh, requirement for certain uh, positions. Uh, PhD kind of starts to shift it to the majority of people that get a PhD are going to end up in academia. Uh, they're going to be teaching. Um, but um, some of the business degrees um, do tend to have a little more um, likelihood that you may end up still in working for like the government or in private industry. Um, so we do have, you know, some people will get accounting PhDs and, and go work for organizations or some people will get marketing PhDs and go do marketing research for, for businesses. So it doesn't necessarily say that you will definitely be in academia because there are some some pretty broad opportunities, but it probably means you're going to lean that direction. Um, so the the PhD is really the MBA is probably a good way to phrase it is it's just the next step of your undergraduate business degree. It's a little more you know advanced, a little more theory, a little more uh, depth to what you've done in your undergraduate degree. The PhD is now you have to learn how to create new knowledge. So it's going to school and learning how do you find out if this happens in a business, this is what we expect will happen. Whereas the MBA is someone's done that (laughs) already and you're learning why that happens. Um, The PhD is you're the one that's supposed to help figure that out. That's a great way of, I mean, that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. I I get a lot of uh, questions as well from students about, should I go into my MBA right after my four-year degree or should I wait? This is like the big question. What do you, what do you have to say about that? I would say that when I get a career question during my office hours, this is the most popular question. It is, I've gotten this job offer for when I graduate, but I also want to get my MBA, which should I do? And there's a couple of different factors I usually recommend. One, if the job offer includes, you know, is with a employer that in three years says they will pay for your MBA, maybe you probably go take the job. Beyond that, it kind of comes down to, yeah, personal preference. I mean, getting the MBA immediately is is going to get you that while you're kind of still in the the school mode. And because it's, I mean, it's an advanced version of, of the undergraduate degree, but it's the, the courses and the, the workload is not as big a departure from undergrad as the PhD would be. And um, you really can't go wrong either way. 
in my opinion, it just kind of depends on that individual's personal situation. You know, there are some MBA programs that'll require you to have some work experience before you can be admitted. So that you know, definitely has an impact. But yeah, if if you're in a situation where you have the opportunity to go ahead and get it and you want to go ahead and do it while you're while you're in school, that works. Um, you just may have to be prepared for the fact that, you know, most of those I wouldn't say most, but some jobs that require the MBA are also going to require some work experience. So I caution students, don't don't expect that you're going to graduate with your MBA and automatically get a position that the MBA qualified you for. You may still have to, you've, you've basically taken the requirements and just shifted the order. So rather than going and working for five years and then getting your MBA and then getting promoted, you have gotten the MBA. Now you're working for five years, then you're getting promoted. And so, yeah, same amount of time, same process. You've just kind of flip-flopped the, the order of those first two steps. So, um, I mean, sometimes people do immediately go into, <laughs> but um, that's not always the case. And yeah, if on the flip side, if you have a great job opportunity, especially one that's willing to pay for your MBA, <laughs> um, then that could be a, a really good choice as well, because chances are you're going to need the experience at some point, one way or another. <laughs> I always recommend to students if possible, you know, have, be working somewhere, especially if you're a business student, so you can kind of get a feel for the different industries, right? So you want to do retail, you want to do, you know, different different types of industries. So when it goes to to be time for you to apply on your job application, if it requires a year of experience, do those years of experience working while you're in college also count? I encourage students to include that on their their resume and count that as experience. And, you know, if, if they haven't had the opportunity to do that um, and they're a business major, there's still sometimes opportunities. If you were the, the treasurer of a student organization or you, you worked in a campus office and, it, you know, maybe it wasn't retail and you went to go into retail, but you can still stress things like I was still involved in customer service. I still managed budgets. I still had to respond to emails. I still had to schedule things. And so that gives you kind of that opportunity, but I would recommend that uh, students that work during, during school still claim that some employers may even see it as even more of a bonus um, that, wow, you took 15 hours a semester and you still worked 30 hours a week. This person can definitely manage their time. And things like NACTIV, I mean, you can get experience in that that you couldn't possibly get in a part-time job through college. Or same thing with SAC, you know, negotiating contracts for artists and lecturers. and th- I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do as a student that definitely makes you more attractive when you graduate too. So you also have experience like running your own business. Like you, you've been an entrepreneur. Um, you know, when I worked at the radio station, you were our IT guy. So you were the guy we called when I broke things, which happened a lot. So um, what was that like? Did, did you do that while you were a college student or was that post-graduation? So that was immediately post-graduation. So uh, myself and my, my co-founder, we co-founded a consulting company and we kind of went consulting company because we, we wanted to be entrepreneurs. We wanted to be involved in the, the business community, but we, actually weren't really sure what the demand was in the business community. Like what did businesses in Maryville need? And of course, keep in mind, this was, you know, early two thousands and we found out what do people need? Networking, website design. (laughs) And so we, we kind of transitioned that while we were also talking about um, doing some financial advising. So we did some financial advising as well. A little bit of management consulting, it was pretty much anything a business needed that we had some expertise in, we would do it. And that's, yeah, that's a very interesting experience to, to start your own business. 
it can be super rewarding and super scary all at the same time because it's it is not a a 40 hour a week job <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's a 40 hour a day job but it's that's definitely if you want an experience that uh, gets you into all areas of a business start one and you will very quickly learn accounting and marketing and management and everything and many entrepreneurs actually say that the the one out of all those they usually hire out the accounting uh, they have someone do the accounting law they usually hire a lawyer but the big thing becomes the hr aspect actually they it's the once they get big enough to start hiring employees that's kind of their big big moment <laughs> What was the most difficult part of being your own boss or being an entrepreneur? Uh, I would say it was, wow, that's a really good question. Um, Because all of it seems like kind of a cop out. Uh, (laughs) I would actually say it was juggling all those different areas at once. So it's in the morning at eight o'clock, you're going and meeting somebody about their their website. And then at nine o'clock, you're going and fixing a network. And then at 10 o'clock, you're going and talking to the newspaper about an ad you want to run. And then at 11 o'clock, you're going home and letting the dog out. And then <laughs> at noon, you're getting something to eat. And then at one o'clock, you're helping someone you know, update their, their retirement portfolio. And it was just, that's what made it exciting. But that was probably the most challenging was to just immediately uh, when, you know, there's, there's two of you trying to run the entire business immediately shifting gears like that to all the different areas, which like I mentioned, I did enjoy also because that's why I was a strategy person. I liked everything, but (laughs) yeah, it it can be kind of tricky to, you know, fully engage in all those when you're trying to do all of them in a four hour timeframe. So let's hop back to your associate professor of management here. So you came back and you're, you decided you're going to teach. What do you enjoy the most about teaching? I would say the interactions with students when either myself or they have a big aha moment. It's it's those times when you can tell that, you know, this is something that they hadn't really thought about before and they go, Oh, and I'm definitely going to use that. So like when I, when I taught negotiations, you know, this, the, when someone would send me an email or leave me a voicemail saying, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I just started my first job. I got a $5,000 raise starting for the job because of what I learned in negotiations, or I just bought my first car and got this much off of the price because of what I learned in negotiations. That's probably the coolest thing. And yeah, and sometimes it goes the other direction. Sometimes I get a question where that's a really great question. I've never thought of that. And thank you because I'm going to use that in future classes Um, because it's, you know, if you asked it, somebody else is probably asking it and it's a, a good opportunity. So yeah, that and the, the ability to kind of make the, the connections. So for example, when I teach finance, you know, not everybody taking finance is going to be a finance major and getting to talk about how, yeah, you know, you might not be a finance major, but um, learning about how like loans and things operate, you're still going to need that. I mean, that's going to be in place when you buy your first house or, or buy your first car or start investing for your retirement or yeah, if you don't learn that in the classroom, you might learn that in real life. And that's a much harder lesson to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's when we go through is we go through the like the scenario of, you know, you go to Walmart, shame on me, and they offer you, you know, the the credit card application and they'll give you $25 off on your transaction that day. Well, we go through and say, well, you know, what if that inf- impacts your credit score by 50 points? 
and your first home loan is one tenth of one percent higher because of the impact that had on, on your credit score, definitely are paying more than $25 for that free $25. <laughs> oh, yeah. Light bulb goes on. Light bulb goes on, right? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so, what are the differences between being the chair of the school and being a professor who teaches in the school? I do still get to teach, fortunately. So that's kind of cool. I still have class. Um, so that keeps me engaged there. And and I super enjoy that. So that would have been part of it. But the, uh, the big difference is, well, of course, every faculty member is engaged, you know, across the entire school of business. I really have to be engaged across the entire school of business. So it's, you know, just as an example, it's not, oh, you know, what classes am I teaching next semester? It's what classes is everybody teaching next semester and are they the right classes and do we have enough seats and are the schedules going to work out so we don't have you know if we only have one section of this class and only one section of this class make sure they're not at the same time and so that's really the big thing and i mean that's that's part of why i was interested in doing it was you know i thoroughly enjoy the classroom interactions and getting to, to help my my 30 students in class um, but this is a chance to potentially engage with every business student on campus. And, you know, any faculty member would would do that with any business student if they walk by their office and are like, hey, you know, I, I can't find my advisor. What class do you think I should take instead? This one's full and I can't find them and it's filling up and, and, and everybody would do that. Um, but in this position, that has become my everyday. It sounds like a good management. I mean, someone with a management education, like a good position for someone like that. Well, like, like what was mentioned, the strategy <laughs> thing, being involved in all of it. So, yep. And I've also, I've had the chance, I've taught management, I've taught marketing, I've taught, taught accounting, I've taught finance. So I've taught HR. So I've taught in pretty much every area, either here or previous universities, because um, I taught some of those at Nebraska while I was working my PhD, everywhere but econ. <laughs> so maybe someday I'll get to, to check that one off the list. You're from this area and you've come back to this area. What does it mean to you to be a Bearcat? So I think it's really about um, how appreciative I am of the opportunities I had as an undergrad and an MBA student. And on top of that, even, I mean, even when I was in high school, business contest, music contest, everything was at Northwest. I even remember when there was still an arcade in the union because that's where we would go as soon as our contests were over. And so Northwest kind of, you know, provi has provided opportunities all the way from when I was in high school, right up until I, I finished my MBA. And so, yeah, the opportunity to come back and join the organization and work towards providing you know, those same opportunities to the next generation of Bearcats is kind of why the, what it means to be a Bearcat and have the opportunity to come back. It is spring and we have a new class of Bearcats coming out here pretty soon. If they're looking for a job, if they're looking to go to grad school, they're going to be making some big decisions. What advice do you have for them? On making the decisions, my advice is if there's a decision you can make, if there's an outcome that you know the next day, you're going to say, you know what? I'm a little scared. <laughs> I'm not sure what this means, but I know it's the right decision. Make it because it is... From my experience, from talking to other people, it's a lot easier to go back to your comfort zone if things don't work out than it is to pass up on those opportunities to kind of expand your horizons when they're presented. So um, my, my general advice is, yeah, when you make a decision, make the one that you know that you'll be able to sleep at night. <laughs> and that applies to picking a job. It applies to ethical behavior. Yeah, pretty much anything. 
And so that would be my advice on, on trying to decide jobs, you know, if they can try to think ahead, you know, try to plan as, as far ahead as you can and kind of where you want to go. It's really hard to make decisions on you know, your life <laughs> um, until you have kind of an idea of where they're supposed to lead you to. And that doesn't mean that won't change. In fact, it probably will change. I mean, you know, most of our, our graduates are going to be 21, 22. Um, there's a lot of time left <laughs> and who knows what's going to happen. And so, but if you have some idea maybe of where you want to end up in five or 10 years, start with that, make the decisions you think are going to get you towards that and, and just see where it goes. It's many times it's not uh, how you get there. It's where you end up. So you'll, you'll end up in a, in a good place with a good spot, <laughs> good job eventually. And uh, that's what, that's what will matter. Will there be some hiccups on the way? Probably. <laughs> um, I could list a whole bunch, <laughs> um, but yeah, when you're, you're happy with where you end up, then it's all worth it. And you just have to sit back and go, you know what, that, that mistake or that job I took that I was only there six months and maybe I wished I hadn't gone there. You know what, if the next one was the perfect job, a good thing you went there because had you taken a different job, who knows? You might not have quit. You might not have found that job that was perfect for you. So we just um, example I use in class is you know the two founders of Google met in a computer science class in college, and you know we we can't overthink things because imagine if they had been sitting there enrolling for classes those days and said, hmm, if I take the eight o'clock class, I'll meet the person that I will start the largest search engine in the world and be billionaires with. If I take the ten o'clock class, I'll have a ham sandwich for lunch. We just, we don't know. <laughs> so we do the best we can and, and just enjoy the ride. That's a very, very uh, astute observation. We, we always talk on here about how no one's path is straight. You have a pretty straight path. I mean, you came Walmart and then you went to Lincoln, but you keep coming back to Northwest. Um, but even, you know, if you're telling us you of the most straight path are telling us that it's not a straight path, then we should probably start listening. I would phrase it as the path may look pretty straightforward on the outside, but the decisions along the way aren't always necessarily <laughs> as straightforward as they look. That's a great piece of wisdom as well. A great piece of wisdom. What's happening on the inside is not the same thing as what's happening on the outside sometimes. Yeah. I tell students all the time, like being an adult is being a duck. It's like, you know, you look like you got it all under control, but under the water, those little feet are just <laughs> flapping, flapping, flapping. That's if you can do that, you've got adulting down. And I would also say, you know, many of us still don't know what we want to be when we grow up and you're only 21 or 22. So if, if you're graduated, you've got your degree and you're like, this, this is what I want to do, but Hey, <laughs> join maybe the club. I should move to Russia. Yeah. That's harder to do when you have four kids, you know, move to Russia. Well, thank you so much, Ben. I would like to give you a platform here at the end of the episode, share what's on your mind, anything you want wide open for you. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I guess my last piece of advice would be, if I may, think of, for everyone who's, who's watching or getting ready to graduate, think of your reputation. Remember, that's one of the most important things you have that will go with you no matter where you go. And it takes years to get it and about five minutes to lose it. And there's all sorts of cliches about it, but after 27 years in business and lots of years in higher education and <laughs> just try to, to guard that as best you can. And another cliche, remember that uh, it's, it's what you do when people aren't watching <laughs> that matters. What a great way to end the Absolutely. podcast. <laughs>
Thank you so much for being a guest. We've really enjoyed, enjoyed hearing your story today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.